Good morning, everyone. This is indeed the Lazarus Show. In honor of my brother Brian. This is basically a show where I let you into my crazy mind for anywhere between 5 to 30, sometimes 60 minutes in a day. Believe me, no one can handle more than an hour inside this brain. And if you think it's hard for you, imagine being me. I live with it. That's what I tell Tina. He's like, man, you drive me crazy. I tell her, so yeah, do I? She says, yes, you do. You're OCD and you're perfect, trying to make everything perfect and be a perfectionist. And everything's got to be a certain way. And you got to hear, I, see with me with a movie, if a movie's on, I got to hear every single word in the movie. Every word. If I don't hear every single word to every line, I rewind and rewind and rewind and rewind and rewind. I'm not the type of person that can watch a movie with people around talking. It has to be silent. It has to be no talking. And if I miss something, I rewind it. And I'm talking about if I miss anything. If I miss a, a visual part or someone shake hands, shakes hands in a movie and I miss the handshake, I got I to gotta rewind it. Or somebody says something, I can't, I'm not the type of person that can say, what did they say? Because it doesn't matter what they, what they tell me. I have to rewind it and listen to it myself. And my, Christina will say to me, you drive me crazy. And I'll tell her, imagine how I feel. I'm sure there's people out there that can relate to that. Because my mind is a crazy neighborhood to be. There's not a good neighborhood inside my brain. Borderline. Insanity. Now, I'm never. I never measure up. Nothing I do is ever good enough. I don't need anyone to criticize me. I am my big, biggest critic. Every time I do anything, a project or story, I write stories, short stories. Sometimes I write big, long stories. I critique them and critique them. That's why I can. I never finish them. I got a bunch of stories started. I only finished one. I did a screenplay of my life story, and I finished that. I got a movie uh, I was writing called Escape from Texas Prison. And I, I did not finish it because I'm lazy or because I gave up. Because to me, it wasn't good enough. No matter how many times Tina told me, and I respect her opinion, and how many times she told me it's great, I still, I still won't believe it. I think it's horrible. I'm working on a new one right now. And I'm only on like the 10th page and I can't get through it because I just, I feel like the story's going nowhere. It's a great one too, man. It's good. I have to say objectively, taking myself out of it, taking the emotion out of it, it's a pretty good story. Tina heard it I, for the first time last night. I read the first 10 pages to her. She loved it. She's like, I don't know where you come up with this stuff. And to me, it's mediocre. I mean that too. I'm not just being, saying that. I'm not one of people just say things. I don't just say things to say them. I hate when people do that. Oh, I'm hard on myself. No, man, I am hard on myself, dude. If I do like a tile job or something, I find everything wrong with it. I won't ever sit back and say, man, that looks nice. I just see all the imperfections. I don't know what the, if there's a name for that. Am I a narcissist? The cup is always half empty for me, man. Never half full. I'm the type of person, if I became a billionaire, I'd never stop and enjoy it. It's just how I am. It's never enough. I never give myself credit. I mean, man, I'm terrible, dude. Terrible. I could be playing basketball and make 30 shots in a row. 
If I miss that 31st shot, that's all I'll focus on is how I missed that 31st shot. I don't know why I'm like that. I never take time and say, I never give myself a pat on the back. That's why I'm always looking for a pat on the back from other people. My brother Brian said to me one time, man, he was truthful, dude. Golly, and this one hurt me. He said, you know what, Bobby? You always need a pat on the back for everything. You hurt my feelings with that one. But I'm sure there was some truth to it. You know why that is? Because I won't give myself a pat on the back. I won't. I have like 15 or 20 songs written. I won't let anyone, any single person hear them. I've let Mark hear a couple. Tina's heard them all. And both of them loved them. And Mark, who listens to today's music. And he knows a lot about today's music. He thinks they're good. But I refuse to let anyone hear them because I think they're not good enough. I don't know why I'm like that. Anyway, I'm shopping around for an electric typewriter. I want to start typing up my stories. I've got a good story I'm writing now. I have one I want to finish called Escape from Texas Prison. And I have this one I have to finish. Or I'm, I'm in the beginning of. I'm on, I think I'm on 10, 10 pages. It's pretty good. Pretty good. It's about a guy who... Um, he leads, It's like set back in like the old days. Like early 30s, I believe it is. You know, when the cars, people were barely driving cars. Some people still had horses and carriages. It's about a guy who leads a small group of, uh, like a resistance, a farmer resistance group against, like, the big corporate people coming in to take over their farms. It's pretty good. Well, they actually do come in to take over their farms, but they don't take his farm. He keeps his. Rather than selling his crops to them for pennies on the dollar, he decides to light his farm on fire. And he decides to start making hay with it. It's really, it's actually pretty good. But there's a little bit mixed to it. He's also, there's also a character in there that's doing bank robberies. No one's sure if it's the main character or not. That's part of the mystery. The main character name is Graves. He's got this work shed he's always working in. You always hear all this crazy noise coming from his work shed, like welding and hammering. Nobody knows what the heck he's making in there. No, no one knows what's going on in there, except for me. That's the mystery. The mystery is who's the bank robber, what's he making in that work set of his, what is going on, how's it all going to tie in together. At the end of the movie, it's all going to tie in together, what I'm trying to do. A lot of parallels going on. You see like this bank robber, you see Graves working on in this shed, you see his farm, you see these other farmers losing everything. These farmers lose, this is what happens, these big corporate bigwigs come in. And they basically steal, pull these farms out from one of these people. They make these people sell them their farms and then they make them work the farms to earn their keep for living there. It's a really crazy story. And it's actually, some of it's based on some true facts. It's not a true story, but it's based on some factual, there's some factual basis there. Anyway, it's got some good twists. The story's going to end with like a, a war at the end, like a, a fight. It's going to be good. I don't know, I think it's going to be good. Of course, I'm critiquing myself to death. As I'm telling you it, I'm thinking, wow, they're going to like this story. They're going to think it's terrible. Then I had another story I'm writing, which I need to finish. I got a lot of that written. I just need to find it. I can't find it. I think I've got like 100 pages written of this movie called uh, Escape from Texas Prison. It's about this motorcycle gang guy who talks the entire prison into breaking out all in one big wave. It's pretty good. 
And then, of course, I wrote my screenplay, which my mom got to read that, which I was thankful. She read that, too. I need to find that, too. That's somewhere in this house. It's a screenplay about my life. The only thing is, though, it's sad. Maybe it's like uh, that self-defecating thing I got. I die in the, in the screenplay. I actually die at the end. The whole thing is true based on a true story except for the end. I die at the end. But in a way, it's true because we all die at the end, right? End of everyone's story. If everyone wrote a screenplay to their life, at the end of their screenplay, they would die, right? Well, I die a very, very violent and bloody death in my screenplay. So we'll see how that goes. <laughs> but this story about this guy, this guy graves with this farm... I've been dreaming up, you know, drumming up this character for years. I've been thinking about how I make this character. He's a mysterious character. You know, he wears a, a gun belt. He, he's always armed with two pistols, and sometimes he carries a little shotgun with him. He's got two uh, men. They're, they happen to be black men that are like his guards. They, like, guard his property, and they're also kind of like his bodyguards. They ride around horses. It's pretty good. It's a pretty good story. Let's see how it goes. We shall see how it goes. So how's everyone doing out there? How's everything going for everyone out there in the regular world as we know it? Don't you hate the real world? Man, I hate it. I hate living in the real world. I hate living with, like, uh, routines, getting up, going to work. Me and my sister, Rosie, we talk every morning, and I feel bad for her. I can hear it in her voice this morning. She's struggling. She's having a rough time this morning. She's got a lot on her mind. So does my Christina. She's got a lot on her mind, too. Her and Rosie are getting into a big, big business venture, and they're both very nervous. Rosie sounds shook up this morning. So, Rosie, if you're listening, i going to let you know I'm I'm here for you. You're not in this alone. You're in, you, We're all in this together, and I will not let you fall, sis. Where you lack, I'll pick up. Where I lack, you'll pick up. And same with Tina. Bill, we'll all help out. Don't worry, you got plenty of support, Rosie. You're not in this alone. We shall get through this and overcome. You know, we get all up in our own heads and we dream up all these crazy scenarios and all this. We make ourselves scared of things, like fearful, you know? Our fear can get in the way, man. This is why people are always afraid to take that leap or take that jump. The fear. Like I said before, you know that fear? Someone put that fear in your heart. That someone is the child inside you. As adults, as an adult, you don't think like that, right? But as a child, you have that fear. That's who's putting that fear and that doubt in your heart and in your mind. That's that child inside you. That child inside all of us still needs that pat on the back. Still needs that, you know, that reassurance everything's going to be okay. It's that child inside you that laughs at stupid jokes. It's also that child inside you that gets nervous before you do something new that you're not used to doing. It's a child inside of all of us. Also, the other thing inside of all of us is society's standards placed upon you. We think we're restricted by what society says, but we're really not. That's a big setup. That's a mirage. If anything's a lie, that's a lie. See... They tell you that you can have the American dream and do whatever you want in this life, right? But that's not... They say that, but their actions don't match their words. What they're really saying is, look, you're free to make some money, but don't get too comfortable. Because that's for the rest of us. You understand? 
you ever see someone try to cross over to the elite? Look, if you do it like magically, like Facebook guy, Zuckerberg, that was a magic thing. Bang, he's rich, right? Try doing it slowly and enter into their side, in their realm, the rich people's realm. I've talked about this before. To me, the rich people and the famous people are just, they're like, they're like aliens to me. They're people I can't touch. I have no access to them. They're like on another planet. Try entering their world. You better hope they let you in. You can only get as rich as they let you. If you're trying to be in their life, in their world. See, I could be a multi-billionaire. And I would never hang out with the Hollywood elite or the politicians or the so-called famous people. I wouldn't be a part of no fucking clubs, no golf clubs, no social clubs, no nothing. I wouldn't be getting invitations to no dinners or the Oscars or the Emmys or the Grammys or whatever. If they did, they'd be wasting their money because I wouldn't go. I honestly don't think, I was talking to Christine about this, if I became a multimillionaire, I don't think I would buy a big house. I'd just buy a decent two-story little house, what I've always wanted, split-level or buy-level house. That's all I would have. I'd have one car for me, one car for Tina. I wouldn't go crazy. It's just not who I am. I've been in a big house. I was in a mansion one time. Now, there was a man I knew. He lived there by himself, but his girlfriend was there a lot. She had a son. This house. I stayed there for a week or so. This house was so empty. It was so empty and so sad. It was lonely in that house, man. There was no one in there to fill it. You can have the biggest mansion in the world. If you don't have people in there to fill it, to make you happy... I'd rather have my small little house, have Tina running around, Mark running around, little Sophia, my sisters, you know, my brother-in-laws, my nieces and nephews, my little Sophia and her brother coming over and making noise. Man, you have nothing if you don't have love in your heart and people around you you care about. You have nothing. You could be a billionaire. If no one's around you to tell you they love you, how can you enjoy your money? Money doesn't buy happiness. You know what makes people happy? Other people. Other people. It took me a long time to understand that, man. It took me a good part of my life to understand that. I always used to say, I don't need anybody. Of course I need somebody. It's lonely by yourself. Everybody needs somebody. Everybody. I used to complain because, like, you know, some people see having kids as a hassle and, you know, having to take kids to football practice and doing homework and kids asking for rides and nagging you for money. And, you know, we all get caught up in that and the bitching and the complaining about all that stuff, right? Take all that away. Every time I get nagging or, or aggravated or start complaining about Tina and Mark, what if you took them away from me? How would I be then? <laughs> I'd be nothing. That sound of Mark playing his video games or running around the house or running up and down the steps grabbing his drinks or... Asking for $10 to go with his friends and all that would be gone. If you took Tina and Mark out of my life, I would have nothing. No meaning, no purpose. There'd be no sound in my house at all. Took away Tina, Mark, and the dog, it'd be zero quiet, man. And I'd enjoy it for, you know, that's why it's good to, to be by yourself sometimes. My brother Brian taught me that. He said, Bobby, it's good to be alone sometimes. Not for very long. Take a couple hours, he said. You know how we enjoy those hour couple, say like, your wife is going to go out. She's going to take the kid for the day. First thing you think of is, yeah. You start rubbing your hands together. Yeah, baby. I get the house to myself. I get to kick my feet up. Get to order myself some wings and some pizza and watch some movies. I got the house to myself. Get to do whatever I want. Right, man? 
Let that happen for more than one day. See how you feel. You start getting lonely. After about three or four hours of Tina, Tina and Mark being gone, I start to miss them. That's just me. They only speak for me. So if you took them out of my life, it'd be sad, man. I don't think I can live without Tina at this point. We've been, been together so long. We've relied on each, we rely on each other so much. I'm right now coming back from her job. She needed me to bring her, make her coffee and bring it to her. I threw a bagel on for her, made it broad. I, she, she, we rely on each other all the time. Before I make any big decisions, I run them by Tina. Before I do anything, I show. Uh, Tina hears my show. Every time I do a show, she, she listens to it. I run everything by her. Every big idea. When I said I want to go to wrestling school at 39, almost 40 years old, she was my biggest supporter. Tina's never talked down to me or tried to crush anything I ever wanted to do. She said, you go for it, baby. You go for it. She said, if it's something inside you you need to do. She's like, do you need this? I said, I really do. She's like, well, you've been talking about it for a couple of years. Go do it. Go get it out of your system. And I did. I did. It's out of my system. Now I know what it's like. I had to know, man. It's like, how can you like football or, or relate to football if you never played it? That's why we all love football so much, especially guys. Because we've all played it at one time or another in our life. Or basketball games or baseball. We all played that stuff as kids. That's why we can, we can appreciate the talent it takes to do these things. Like to watch the NFL. We know the talent it takes. That's why I had to know about wrestling. Because how could I... I just couldn't watch it without knowing what it took. And boy, did I get a rude awakening. Not really a rude awakening because I knew how hard it would be. Let's put it this way. I went to, I, I did boxing when I was younger. And that was nowhere near as hard as wrestling school. Wrestling school was the hardest thing. I've said this before and I'll say it again. Wrestling school was the hardest thing I've ever been through in my life. The hardest training. The hardest physically, mentally. Oh, man. That stuff wanted me to, I wanted to quit almost, not really quit, I never really wanted to quit, but it just, I felt so damaged and beat up and broken. When they say they tear you down to build you back up, they're talking about wrestling boot camp, man. And I went to the the elite wrestling boot camp around here. According to the internet and every podcast, wrestling podcast I've ever listened to, the very best school next to like NXT is the Monster Factor where I went. And it was a good school, man. I learned a lot there. And I didn't even get 5% of the way to where I needed to be. I didn't. I was barely in the ring the last couple weeks. I was in there, though. That's all I wanted was get to that ring. It took me two and a half months for them to even let me in the ring. Start taking bumps, as they call them, the slams. I only took a few slams. I took some bumps, though. When they knock you on your back. Oh, man. Boy, if you land wrong, your ears will ring, your head will ring. I had headaches for days. My knees were swollen. The guy who runs the place should have known my time was limited. I was dying in there. I was hurting. When I got there, I had to act like I wasn't really in pain because they don't want you they don't want you walking around defeated like you're sore all the time. They don't want you walking around like you're sore all the time. That's one of my biggest, uh, I'm proud of that accomplishment. I really am. No, did I become a professional wrestler? No, I did not. My goal wasn't to become a pro wrestler. My goal was to go to pro pro wrestling school until I felt like I caught a whiff of what it was like to be a wrestler. And I did. 
I did. Sorry about that. As you know, I do my podcast on my phone, and someone keeps calling it. It's aggravating me. Anyway. About this weather, huh? Oh, man. About this weather, huh? Crazy weather. It's supposed to rain like crazy tomorrow night, man. I think we got some snow coming up Wednesday. Golly. All right, guys, that's all. I, I didn't want to talk too much. Just wanted to let you know I'm still here. I didn't do a podcast all weekend, I don't think. No, I didn't. Take care, guys. Have a wonderful day. I got to answer this. Remember, we all have a voice. That includes you. I got a fat. Where are you, Sandy? I was on my way to therapy. You know how to get up here? I'm not even that far. I'm maybe about 10 minutes away from... If you get on um, Main Road, just keep it straight down. You'll find me. You got a patch marked old school and everything else. You'll find me there. What do you like, in Franklinville area? Yes. All right. You got a jacket and everything? Yeah, I'm, I got a jacket and everything. All right. All right. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye.